This podcast is sponsored by the Faraday Battery Challenge, which aims to support world-class scientific technology development and manufacturing scale-up capability for batteries in the UK. The challenge is focused on developing cost-effective, high-performance, durable, safe and recyclable batteries to support the EV market. If you want to find out more, make sure to go to www.faraday.ac.uk. Welcome to the See Me Be Me podcast. I'm Niall Henry. And I'm Blair Henry. And we're two brothers who set out on a mission to make motorsport and STEM careers more diverse, affordable and inclusive. We are the founders of The Blair Project. In this podcast series, we delve into the minds of inspirational individuals who come from ordinary and often humble backgrounds, but through their belief, dogged determination and never give up attitude, have managed to overcome academic, social or mental challenges to achieve their dream careers. Our guests will share their life lessons that you can apply to your own. We hope their stories will inspire you to go further, aim higher and accept nothing less than you deserve. Your ambition, your purpose is all within. We're here to help you unlock it. The planet of possibilities are endless. So on today's episode, we are joined by Saoirse Elson, who's a 26-year-old apprentice mechanical technician from Birmingham, who after a year of training in 2021, was able to fulfill her dream of becoming the world's first black female technician in Formula One. With a strong passion towards diversity and inclusion in STEM and motorsport, Saoirse has become a powerful role model for young people in the industry and has proven that if you have enough work ethic and passion, you can achieve anything that you set your mind on. Absolutely, Blair. And we first met Saoirse back in 2021 when we were working with Formula One to help them recruit two mechanical engineering uh, apprentices. So out of 500 people uh, that applied for this for these two positions, Saoirse was one of them and got selected as part of the final four that would go to an assessment day at Formula One's headquarters in Biggin Hill. In, that, in this episode, Saoirse talks through the length of the depth of the assessment day and what was it like at that initial period when she got told that she made it into the final four. Since then, she talks about her journey working in Formula One, how she's become an advocate and passionate about promoting women, but also girls into STEM. Who was her role model growing up? Um, and was she, you know, her background of before, life before Formula One? And what's it like since working in Formula One? And what have been some of the biggest challenges and hurdles that she's come across um, working within the sector? So we can't wait for you to hear more about this episode. So that's enough from us. Let's go straight in. Saoirse, welcome to the See Me Be Me podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Nice to see you guys. It's good to see you again. So Saoirse, for the, our audience at home, can you tell us a mm. bit about yourself, um, your background, and why did you choose a career in STEM? 
Wow. So I'm from Birmingham originally. I'm 26 years old. Um, I worked in customer service since I was 17 years of age. Um, one of that included uh, working as a flight attendant. And I've always loved aviation, loved planes. Um, I used to ask the pilots like all sorts of questions just to really get to know how you know they, they operate. And that's what sort of piqued my interest in in mechanical engineering anyway um and I guess I don't know as as time went on I just thought okay like maybe this is something I could see myself doing you know I didn't I knew that I didn't want to fly forever so you know maybe I could build a career on the ground work working with with planes but I just didn't really see a way into that to that industry at the time I mean my confidence is pretty low I, I didn't have my A-levels I had my GCSEs but yeah. I thought right to be you know to be an engineer and to go into university again that was a really challenging and scary, and scary thought um, so it wasn't really until um, later during Covid that I really thought okay let's like give it a shot let's see what happens when I had this opportunity come up and and two years later here I am now I was going to add on with that social. Um, in terms of um, your early life at school, what, what was it like um, in terms of school? Like, who were your uh, your role models growing up? Oh, <laughs> cliche, but Beyonce was like a massive role mm -hmm. model for me. Um, I always found a lot of comfort in her music, felt empowered yeah. by her music. Um, I mean, I, I did have like, you know, other role models in my life like such as like my family like my, my mom especially um, my yeah. cousins my, my younger sister she's an absolute inspiration to me she is she's very very intelligent um but I mean I didn't really have somebody let's say like me in the in a STEM background to to look up to and and look for at the time anyway that I knew of and um you know, looking back now, it's, that's that's quite a difficult difficult thing because you just don't think that it can be you. Yeah, yeah. And and so when you were growing up, let's take take me back to uh, a six or seven year old Saoirse. What mm. was your dream? Um, I think when I was like six or seven, I believe I think I wanted to be a teacher when I was about that age. Um, yeah, I liked the thought of working with children and then that developed into um, my teenage years. I wanted to be a midwife. So um, I took child development studies, um, got a really good grade in that. I did really well in my GCSEs and I was I wanted to be a midwife. And unfortunately, you know, that, that or fortunately, that didn't pan out. Um, so it's very different to what it is now, very different. And how... And, and what was the change for you at you know, seven, 16, 17 uh, or 18 to then, you know, moving away from not doing, uh, being a midwife to wanting to be a flight attendant? Had you um, always had a passion about planes or an interest in planes growing up? Or? Yeah, yeah. I've, I've always had an interest in in planes growing up, um, you know, going on holiday and stuff. It was so exciting for me. I'd, I'd want to learn all. I'd, I wanted to learn all about, you know, the, the plane itself that I was travelling on. Um but to be honest with you, it was in the back of my mind. I had a friend that was going to do cabin crew anyway. And when I got told that I wasn't allowed to complete year 13, my second year of 6-4, because I, I didn't pass my A-levels my first year, I was like, okay, 
So now what? And that was a really scary moment. You know, I basically got told, like, I'm really sorry, like, you can't come back here. And I was like, well, what do I do? And I remember the same day, me and my mum sat there and applied for college. And I went and enrolled that day into aviation operations. But I thought, well, I want to get a qualification in something. I'm interested in that. Um, you know, it's all about what what we do and all about the aviation industry as a whole and what we do as a, as, as a flight attendant. Um, and it was, I think it was maybe a year later that I got I got the job with the airline that I was with for three years, yeah. Is travelling something that you've always um, been passionate about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's such a big, it was such a big place. And I think there's just so many different places. I think, you know, it's a life not lived properly if you haven't at least been somewhere and it does and that's not to say like you know some people can't afford to be jet setting off and go into other places I mean we're just talking like just go out of your hometown and just have a look around to see how different cultures live and what else is going on outside of your immediate bubble it's always been something that I'm really passionate about yeah would you say Sasha as well would you say you're someone that likes to always uh just adding on to what you were saying someone who likes to always like go outside of their comfort zone mm. um that's a learned thing I think it's not a natural yeah. in my yeah. natural instinct is to stay put stay home and don't have change um but I did that for you know a long time since I was 17 where I stayed in something that was comfortable almost like a safety net but I wasn't getting any fulfillment out of it you know it's get I felt like I was just really stuck in one place and it really got me down um really struggled with feeling like I had nothing going for me and things like that and I think for me coming out of my comfort zone has been the best thing that I've I've ever done (laughs) like you just have to do it take the leap and now you're now you're working at Formula One, Sorsha. You're an apprentice <laughs> mechanical yeah. technician, which, yeah. <laughs> you know, sounds like it's absolutely amazing. You know, mm-hmm. take me back on that journey. How did you discover that opportunity? And, you know, were you a big F1 fan growing up? Mm. Yeah. So um, to answer the second question first, um, it's been on in my life growing up. Of course it had. Um my uncle on my dad's side was a massive fan of it. So whenever we went to go to visit my aunt and uncle, it was on every single weekend, you know? Mm. Um, I think for me, with like, especially with my dad's side of the family, you know, Lewis was such a big part of that because he's black. Um, and seeing that representation on screen as well in like at that level, the highest level that you can get in, yeah. in racing. Um, so it, it was on it was on and off, uh, you know, during my childhood. And then it was recently during COVID that I really got back into it like properly again. Um, and I was like, you know, this is brilliant. And I think Drive to Survive really helped with that as well. You know, F1 is just absolutely soaring at the minute. It's bigger, it's bigger than it's ever been. Um, you know, you've got lots and lots of different fans coming into the space now, which is fantastic. And it's it's nice as well. It feels like a real like community. Yeah. Um, but never in a million years did I ever dream I would I would be working here. There's just like not that would never have even crossed my mind. And um, I think I've told you guys the story before about how this opportunity came up. But um, I remember 
been in that place of feeling really stuck in a rut and I was on the phone to my dad I was really upset and I said I just don't I don't know what I'm gonna do I need to change I can't do this anymore and he said to me look you've been interested in engineering now for a while why don't you just have a look to see what's out there and you know what you love f1 so why not just see if there's anything about there and I was like okay like how to think about it an hour later this link pings through in the family group chat my auntie my auntie's posted it in the group chat this link um formula one apprentice mechanical engineer and I was like and I called my dad up and I was like daddy did you just did you just tell auntie about this and he was like no and I was like this is fate this is this was meant to happen there's no way we just had that conversation and then this comes through like an hour later and on it, it gives me goosebumps to think about it it's just completely changed the trajectory of my life and I just could not be like happier about it but yeah that's that's how that happened really it's crazy when you think about it so you're at that point you saw that whatsapp message or mm. you, you know you saw that notification you were like this can't be real this must be fake and yeah. you click you clicked on it applied mm. and you know what was what was that feeling uh, what was your yeah what was that feeling like when you know you'd you found out you had made it through um, to one of the final the final applicants. Yeah. Um, absolutely surreal. I remember coming in and telling my mum. My mum cried. She was crying. Um, me and the girls were like, because my, my girlfriends are all fans of F1 as well, but they were all, were all like, ah, like screaming, like jumping up and down. I just couldn't believe it. And I think, I don't actually think it did sink in for and until I actually got here in August last year I really don't think it sunk in I was just in this complete days of like what is going on you know um and you know, I'd heard I'd heard about the opportunities that were going on within F1 um the we race as one scheme and trying to get more diversity within motorsport which is absolutely fantastic and I thought you know what yeah that's absolutely brilliant maybe I can be part of that change but to be actually part of it and then like just reflect back it's just insane yeah it's surreal <laughs> and what and what was it like uh, visiting uh, formula one's headquarters for the first time oh. <laughs> uh mad <laughs> that was mad i think like where where we're based here i mean it's just like i, I think nobody really has a clue um the scale of the operation that brings F1 to our screens, you know, every, every race weekend. And I'm so proud to be part of this team here. And um, I mean, we had a meeting the other day and I just looked around and I thought, this is like my team, like this is F1. Like it's, it, it's a really, really proud feeling. Um, and when I first came here, I was just blown away by, by all of it. It was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. And just for the viewers listening to this, so Social made it to the final four of this opportunity. Uh, and this was the Formula One working in collaboration with the Blair Project um, to help them source to uh, mechanical engineering apprentices. Mm -hmm. And so take me take me through, Sorsha, you know, you obviously we, we all went down um, to, to Biggin Hill and you guys yeah. had to do a, an assessment day. Can, yeah. you, can you talk to the viewers what the assessment day was like, but not not giving too much away? 
Yeah. So um, at first we had a talk from the guys at CETA, uh, which are the people that I've done my did my training with for a year in Southampton. Um, my boss actually was an apprentice there. Um, so that was like fascinating. So I was like, it's like come full circle almost for him. Um, we had a talk from them. They just explained basically, you know, like what, how an apprenticeship works, um, how it's all going to be laid out and split up over the four years of me completing it. And, um, you know, basically what I can expect in, in the coming days sort of thing. Um, and F1 from their side explained like what my job role would be. I had, as you can imagine, like a million questions, um, which I answered gracefully, bless. But um, it was it was a really, really good interactive day. I mean, we had like this really fun activity to like build a bridge out of paper. But I mean, that sounds easy enough. It just it just wasn't like at all. It's quite difficult to like wrap your head around it. And then um, the other side of it was like um, budgeting. So like you had every material that you use to build this paper bridge you had to spend money for it and you know keep within a budget and but give the customer what they wanted and yeah, yeah that was that was a lot of fun now um, after the assessment day obviously you go away you find out you get the news you're now mm-hmm. you've got the you've won the position you've got the opportunity you're now working at formula one you've had to do you you did a year at CETA is that is that correct yeah yeah, I did. Yeah. yeah. And now you're working full time at Formula mm-hmm. One's HQ uh, mm-hmm. in Biggin Hill. Take me through what does an average day look like? Um, it really varies. It really does vary. I mean, so you've got um off season, so you know, winter and summer breaks. Uh believe it or not, our our busiest periods periods here in the workshop. Um everything comes back. Um, so you know, we need to do maintenance or modify or repair something here in our workshop and then get it ready for that next race um and then when we are racing it is a little bit quieter but it does give me chance to really um hone in some of my skills for my apprenticeship so um you know I'm able to do stuff like welding in my downtime we've just had um a new mill and a new lathe installed in our workshop as well um which is I'm really excited to get to get working on um, but it just everything at the moment um, is just going towards my end point for my, my apprenticeship just to get me qualified. That's, and, uh, I mean, that's an average day. Sorry. And uh, since you've started at Formula One Social, what would you say? What would you say is the um, the biggest challenge you faced um, whilst um, yeah whilst working for Formula One? Um, I mean, I'll be honest and say that to me, I never thought in a million years that me being the only female in a very male dominated area would be a problem. I've always been very headstrong and very confident. And, you know, that, no, that won't bother me. Like, I'll be fine. Like, you know, they're people, it'll be fine. I get on with people. Um, And that has been a, ch- a real challenge. And I didn't expect, I did not expect it at all. And it's taking me some time to really get used to it. I'm used to working with a lot of women Um, having that real comfort um, and almost like safety around me and feeling like, you know, I can share my own experiences with them. Um, 
and it's been difficult because I'm just not used to this environment and then not to say that it's necessarily a bad thing my manager is probably the best boss I've ever had like in my working career um he's absolutely he's so supportive anything that I need you know he's he's there to, to lend a hand and I can say that about the entire department as well they are absolutely fantastic and um everyone that I've met so far whether that be in in HR or um in circuit engineering or you know in different areas of the business everyone has been so welcoming and friendly and helpful but that's not to say that I'm still having my own struggles with it um and I don't think it would be fair for me to sit here and say you know it, to young girls listening like oh it will be fine going into male dominated spaces because you will have challenges with it that's that's just you know, it's to be expected, but you can you can overcome them. And I think especially with the right support around you, it's so much easier to sort of get over those those barriers, so to speak. And then, and then from yourself going into a completely new work environment as well, with Formula One being based in Biggin Hill, you were about yeah. to um, re- relocate. So what was that like as well um, on top of um, obviously going into a new uh, work environment, relocating into a completely new area? Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, from the day that I found out that I got the job, I had three weeks to yeah. move to Southampton, first of all. Um, and I don't even remember those three weeks. It was a blur. I remember it, my to-do list. Mm-hmm. The first one was like, quit job, which was like, you know, <laughs> I had to go tell my manager, like, I'm really sorry, I've got to go. <laughs> um, the second thing was like you know to find somewhere to live and um everyone obviously offered offered a hand for that as well which is amazing but yeah it was it was crazy it was just like one minute I'm in my mom's house you know chilling (laughs) and then next minute it's like I'm on my own in Southampton doing mechanical training and it's just like it's completely flipped and then Again, when I've moved here, I think there was maybe about two weeks before I started here that I found out that I got got my um, apartment with my, luckily I've got my sister and my best friend that moved with me, but um, oh, no. I had like, t- I had two weeks and I was stressing out thinking, oh my God, like I haven't got anywhere to live yet, but it's all worked out. It has been incredibly difficult to leave my family and Birmingham, my home. I absolutely love Birmingham. Um, but I have to see it as like, this is an investment to like my future. And, you know, one day maybe I can I can go back, but, you know, for now, I'm, I'm here. So you're now in your second year of your apprenticeship, mm-hmm. but your first year actually working in the workshops uh, at Formula One. How... How beneficial has the apprenticeship been for you um, currently? Like, yeah, massively, massive. It's it's been brilliant, and I think going back to what I was saying earlier about uh, my A levels and my GCSEs, um, I don't I don't do well learning like that. And I think there's a lot of people out there that'll understand what I mean. I'm quite a, um, a visual learner. I have to be practically doing something to be able to pick up mm. skills and knowledge from that. Yeah. Um, and that's just the way that I think. And I think for people that do learn like that, 
an apprenticeship is just like the best way forward because the practicality it's not just the theory that you're learning which of course you know I've done all of that but it's also just knowing what to do looking at a physical object and knowing how to approach that I think that's really really good skills to, to pick up and I think an apprenticeship it's not rushed you know it's not you've got to you've got like three weeks to learn all of this and you've got to be amazing at it straight away. It's not rushed. I've got four years and yeah. it's just been a really, really new way, but a really good way of getting my qualification at the end of it. Yeah. Um, go on, go on <laughs> All right. Um, I was going to um, just ask you, Sasha, um, with the, with us starting with that uh, Formula One, um, I remember the last time I spoke to you uh, uh, last month at the Proto EV test day. You said yeah. um, with Formula One, it's a really, really hard work, but really rewarding. But what would you say is the most um, important personality or strength trait um, needed to succeed in an, in an environment like Formula One? That's a hard question. Um, I, determination, I think. Um, everyone's massive it's absolutely huge and you've got so many different people doing their own jobs to make one thing happen Um, and I think if you are determined um, you know to get it right and to work hard and to really push yourself I, I think it ends up being definitely much more rewarding because you can see what your hard work has gone, gone into. Um, And, you know, sometimes when I'm at track, especially, um, you know, I've got three weeks of really difficult, you know, manual labor, but it's absolutely, it's like the best thing ever when I can hear the cars in the background or, you know, um, I'm just, just seeing them go by I'm thinking well this is what I've done this for and it bring you can see like with all the fans and everything the fans have the best time at these races and you think well this is what I'm here for you know there's no this is what I want to make happen so it is it's really rewarding and what is it what is a a day-to-day um when you're at the track what is it what what is it like day-to-day um when you're working at um each of the different uh, circuit locations they're long days. Um, they're certainly long days. Um, I mean, some days are like six until eight PM sometimes. Um, but they are all very, I'd say, quite structured. Um, so you know, you have a list of jobs to do, and you you just get on with them. And they're all the the same jobs at each race. You know, we our team. Um, I can't speak for other departments, so I'm going to just go speak for mine. But, you know, our team know what we have to do every single race. We have the same job every single race. And um, that includes building um, the structure, which is becomes the broadcast centre. Um, and you you probably can see that on the TV in the, in the background and, and things like that. And um, it's, I, I find it really, yeah, structured, I think, is the word. It's not like everyone's running around like headless chickens. Everyone has a job to do and they know what they need to do and we just get on with it. Now, Sorsha, I just want to go back a little bit to when you got the news that you you um, 
got the gig to work at Formula mm-hmm. One. What was your family's reaction and what were your friends' reaction as well? Did they did you did all your friends know that you had applied for this job at Formula One or did this come straight out of the blue? Like you kept it to yourself and then just revealed it. Oh, by the way, guys. Yeah, so I had told I told my family, not all of them, but I had told my family, and I told some of my friends. Um, some I couldn't tell because I worked with them at my old job, which meant, you know, I had to keep that on the down low. Um, but my family were just ecstatic. My mum, like I think I said, like she, she was crying, bless her. And um, my dad, I just remember my dad saying, like, I just couldn't be more proud of you. Um, and I, I mean, I've always, always had my, my family support with everything that I've done. Um, and it just means, means a lot, you know, knowing that I've, done something to make them really proud as well and seeing that pride when I mean my mom my mom's hilarious because she'll go well my daughter she she works for formula one and my sister she works for channel four <laughs> as well so she's got two daughters and she's like my one daughter works for formula one the other one works for channel four and she loves it um and my friends as well I mean they, they're really really supportive I think a couple of them might have been a bit confused they were like what like mechanical engineering like what are you talking about um, so you know obviously I've been in customer service like my entire life so they were quite um yeah confused by it but no they've I've got a great great support network around me and they've all been brilliant yeah and, and now you become quite a big advocate for diversity uh in motorsport and uh, women in STEM yeah. can you talk to me about your experience today in 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 How's that been in terms of championing that? And are you starting to see progression uh, within that field, especially in motorsport? Absolutely. I mean, Formula One itself, we, it's, I mean, you look at, for example, let's take um, females in in motorsport. Now we have, we've got F1 Academy that has, that has just started with an all-female uh, lineup backed by Formula One, which is absolutely amazing. And then, I think a lot of people tend to just maybe look at the driver side of things, but you have to remember like we've got an entire company at the back of us and we have women in every single department. Well, we have what we have them now (laughs) in every single department. Um, And I really do feel like I can start to see, you know, the building blocks starting to build up a bit with how like what they want to gain from this you know and that is really making sure that they have diversity in in their company and it's it's good to see it makes me proud as well because it I'm I'm part of that I'm literally part of that change I'm like you know step one and it makes me happy it does really make me happy and then to answer your other question um I mean I do what I can I would always do what I can um I mean, I do a lot of work with you guys, which I absolutely love doing. Um, I also um, help out with F1 as well, um, with schools and things like that. And it just makes me so happy. Um, We had some um, young ladies here from a school down the road um, not too long ago. And, you know, I took them into, gave them a tour of the workshop and our design office as well. And to hear that some of the girls were like inspired by that at the end of the day, I was like, oh my God, like this is absolutely, this is what I wanted. Like I want young girls to come into a place like this and see themselves working here. And 
it's yeah it's really good to see and what are some of the most common questions that you get so when you go when you're out at the schools or the youth clubs like what are sort of the questions that a lot of the young girls ask you um oh what first came to mind then is like a lot of kids will go what team do you work for I'm like no (laughs) (laughs) um but the girls will say like you know like um one of the biggest questions was how hard was it um you know like what what university did you go to as well what did you need to get into university um and I don't want to say that it's satisfying but it's almost really nice to tell them there can be another option you know there can be another way into this we you can apply for an apprenticeship and and get into Formula One that that can happen now um and that is really really nice to say to someone because when I was younger I didn't get told that I got told university is the way or it's no way and that that was really stuck in my head and it really, really affects young people when they only yeah. hear that they've got one option. And mm. if they can't necessarily go down that option for whatever reason, you know, it's they're going to think that, well, like I did, they're going to think that, well, I can't do it then. And it's nice to be able to sort of say to someone, you can, you can do it. Uh, I was I think, and I think, go on, go on, <laughs> Um, yeah, I was going to um, just bring it uh, slightly back to um, the one year of training you did at CETA, because you were mentioning mm. there was um, quite a few tools there at CETA in terms of the mechanical engineering side that you'd never used before. So yeah. what, what was like, like like learning like new bits of equipment that you'd never used before and uh, just a whole new experience in general in terms of the engineering side? Um, brilliant. I will say that because I had full support there. Um, I was I was quite anxious, thinking Look, I'm not going to be able to do it. Um, really, really overthinking things. Um, had brilliant support network there as well. Um, they just really encouraged me to just go into every day with like an open mind and a positive mental attitude, which obviously I, I, I really did try and use. And um, and by the end of it, I mean welding for example my absolute favorite rotation that I did there um four weeks of of welding and I thought you know what I can actually like see myself doing this like one day that I really enjoy it like it's just it's just you in there getting your head down and practicing and practicing and practicing and um yeah it was good it was good to um step out of my comfort zone so to speak you know use things that I've never used before but also realizing like oh okay I'm actually not too bad at this like it's all right <laughs> yeah I remember when we went down we saw um I think you, you and Aram you made like a was it a miniature ship yeah um, we made yeah, a boat yeah. yeah so we made a boat um in fabrication um so you know using like guillotines and folders and and stuff like that and um spot welding um, that was so much fun and I, I love that my teacher just gave us the complete freedom to just come up with it was like as long as you've got the base yeah. um, you know that that goes into your um, what's the word like criteria yeah. so as long as you've got the base of the boat you can do whatever you want so Aram I think made a speedboat yeah. and I made like a classic like sailboat so it was good I really enjoyed it and I guess for anyone uh, starting out, any um, young girl or anyone from a, a diverse background, if they wanted to get involved in this, is it 
did you find it hard to pick up in terms of these uh, skills or was it um we we given like just like the right guidance and you picked it up quite quickly or how was the experience yeah i mean i was given the right guidance i, I think I think with a lot of girls, you have it already ingrained in your head that you're not going to be able to do it from a younger age. Yeah. And I know that things are starting to change a little bit now. You know, we're starting to modernise a little bit. Girls can do things too. But there's still that stereotype attached to STEM subjects that it is for boys. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, girls need to be encouraged at a much younger age to, to pursue these subjects. So that, that ingrained thought isn't there. Um, but honestly with the right guidance I picked it up straight away straight away I mean don't get me wrong I still need practice on certain areas but it's fine so Sorsha you you've you've achieved you sorry you've achieved your dream job you mm-hmm. know what 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 is what does the future look like where do you where do you see yourself you know five years from now Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and I hate to say this because it's so cliche, but like I honestly do try and take it day by day. Um, because in the past month alone, so much has happened. Um, there's new opportunities springing up from absolutely everywhere, left, right, and center. And I think for me, my main focus at the moment is finishing my apprenticeship with the highest grade that I'm, I'm able to, and and my second focus is really helping bring about change in F1, which is, you know, what they're already doing, but I still want to be a real part of that going forward. And I'll do that anyway, any way that I can. Um, and then thirdly, I think to just really build my confidence. Yeah. So like out of 10, I'd say it's probably at about a six or a five at the moment. And I want to get to that point where, you know, I'm, I'm a 10 and I'm way up there and I'm thinking, yeah, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do that. Cause at the moment it is still quite um, hazy, but just want to do the best that I can. That's all. <laughs> yeah. No, no. And I think, I think you will be, and I think it's that whole thing. You're on an apprenticeship. So you are still learning your craft. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's four years, isn't it? The apprenticeship. It's four years. Yeah. And I've got, yeah. well, I've got about, I think maybe, I've got less than two years left now because I think it's August next year that I finish. Oh, wow. That's gone so, crazy. yeah, it's gone crazy quick. <laughs> wow. And mm. so what 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 free skills or values um, or free skills have you learned that have been uh, that you that have made you successful in your current role as an apprentice? What's been the most free important skills that you've learned? Do you want soft skills or hard skills or both? Both, both. Okay, so um, patience with yourself, with others. Um, with yourself is a big one. If you, let me speak from my personal view, but with me, I've got so impatient with myself and I still do. If I don't get something straight away, I'm like, well, that's it. I guess I'm, I've failed at this now. And it's just like, it's, it's a crazy way to think because I haven't been in this very long, as you said, and every day I'm learning something new. Um, so you really have to have that patience to just take it down a notch and be like, right, okay. And, you know, ask for help when, when you need it. You can always ask for help. Um, second one would be 
motivation, I think. Mm. Um, everyone's got to have something that motivates them. Um, it doesn't matter what that is. But you have to have something that you get out of bed for and you think this is what's going to drive me to do the absolute best that I can. And for me, my motivation is the things that I've just said previously, you know, finishing my apprenticeship, highest grade that I can possibly get, knowing that I've done the best that I can, um, implementing change within STEM subjects and, and you know, motorsport especially. Yeah. Um, you've got to have a, dri- a driving factor to sort of really, you know, get, get you on track. And then the third one... So I learned something really valuable from my colleague, Stu, who always told me, measure twice, cut once. And that basically essentially means that always check your work before you cut anything or drill anything or, you know, do anything to anything. Just check again because you don't know whether or not you're going to mess it up. That was invaluable to me, that... And, and how important on this apprenticeship journey has mentors been? Um, so even that little piece of advice you got from Stu, you know, mm-hmm. you know, how beneficial has the mentors in within F1 helped you on your journey? Massively, massively. And um, it all goes down to support network at the end of the day. I think I have, I'm very, very, very lucky that I have such big support networks in, in different areas, you know, family, friends, with you guys with Formula One. I'm very, very looking. Um, the guys here could not could not be better. You know, we always have a laugh, we always have a joke, but they also are really patient with me. They take time to explain things to me. They take time to give me advice and, you know, what not to do. And it's, it's, it's so comforting to be able to have that because I've been in a situation where I didn't have that. And... Yeah. Um, it's, it's not nice, you know, it just causes a lot of stress and anxiety and worry and doubt. And um, having the mentors that I do have here um, is, is, yeah, I can't thank them enough, really. Is there anything about um, the experience of working in Formula One that you, I guess, didn't expect? To be honest with you, I mean, I don't think I knew what to expect coming in at all anyway. It was like, I think a lot of people expect, I don't, it to be like, you know, every day people are popping champagne and, you know, like you see it in the paddock and and the races and that. But I don't think I expected, that's a really hard question actually. Um, because I just I don't know I don't know if I had any expectations to be honest. It was very much like I had a lot of questions more than anything, yeah, and I yeah. asked them all. I asked them all. Like I still do ask. I ask all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of advice to you know maybe some potential uh, young people uh, listening to this podcast. Yeah. If you could go in a time machine as you right now and then speak to the younger Saoirse what advice would you give her oh hmm I would tell her to not worry 
or listen to what anybody else says about you to not to not think that you can't do something that you can always do anything that you put your mind to that I am smart that I am capable um that I'm a that I'm good at my job um and that's a that's a good thing and to also use my differences to my advantage because yeah. you know I'm here because I'm different yeah. um I'm different to everyone that's down there in that workshop I'm the only female in here I am yeah. one of two people of color in here as well as my other colleague Aram and I would say to her that that is never ever ever a bad thing um and that one day you're going to look at yourself and feel extremely proud and emotional <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh no no what, I can, what I can see the passion mm. <laughs> no, are, are you an avid reader Sorsha? when I have oh, it sounds really bad when I have time I mean yeah. Things are so hectic at the moment. Um, but I'm going on holiday in July, so I'm hoping to get some books down then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's the what's the the best book that you've ever uh, that you've ever read? Oh my god! One of the best books I've ever read, and I honestly cannot remember her name. I think her name's Chidera, maybe. But it's called What a Time to Be Alone. And that was a real time in my life where I needed some self-reflection. I needed some healing. And I, I remember reading it and putting it down and thinking, like, this is, I'm going to change. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I want to be better. I want to be healthier. I want to have, you know, p- positive energy surrounding me the entire time. I don't want any negative energy. And I remember reading it and thinking, like, this is powerful. And it was powerful um it's powerful to read um especially I'd say if like you're a, a black woman yeah it's it's beautifully written um and I don't want to call it a self-help book because I don't like the word self-help books but it's in that genre of basically you know something that you read and you it makes it makes you feel something <laughs> yeah it's brilliant I recommend it I'll have to, I'll have to have a, uh, order that book on Amazon like, I'll to give it a read I'm in the um, middle of um, Becoming at the moment by Michelle Obama. So oh, right. as, okay, as yes. part yes. of like, as part of International Women's Day, Formula One gave out books and you could choose from like five different books and it was all by like inspiring women. Yeah. Um, and I chose, I chose um, Becoming by Michelle Obama. So I can't wait, wait to read that on holiday. <laughs> who, who are some of the, speaking of, uh, let's say someone like a Michelle Obama, who are some of the other like a, uh, I guess, female, well, celebrities who influence you in your life, per Sorsha? Um, so Michelle's definitely one of them. Yeah. Um, I've, I've loved her for, like, a long time. You know, the minute the Obamas went into office in America, I was like, she is, she's a powerful lady. I love yeah. her. Um, I've said before as well, which I know sounds cliche, but I don't care, Beyonce, Knowles Carter, yeah. who I'm going to see in June as well, which I can't oh, wait. Yeah. Um. But 
that's more with her music. Um, yeah. Again, it's something that makes me feel things, um, makes me feel empowered, makes me want to get up and like really enjoy and do my day properly. And yeah. Um, most recently, if we're going to go into into motorsport, um, we've got Susie Wolf and Stephanie Travers. Yeah. So, you know, Susie being now the CEO of um, F1 Academy, or maybe she's a director, but, you know, the head of the head of that. And she's also the last female to, to test in a, in a Formula One car in Williams. Yeah. And then you've got um, Stephanie Travers, who is the, she was the first black woman on the podium, I believe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she went up there, she went up there with Lewis. Um and I remember reading about her story, and I think I we've, I've spoke about her before in in various other things with you guys. But she's she's an inspiration, and I look at all these women, um, and that's what like I'm literally like I aspire to be that. <laughs> I want to be like you. Well, and I guess it's, it's important to have role models uh, within the industry. And I speak, you know, one probably one of the biggest role models in. I say uh, in Formula One, especially for people from diverse backgrounds, is Sir Lewis Hamilton himself. Mm. Um, yeah. What does Lewis or his involvement in the sport mean to you? And I suppose a lot of the audience will probably be listening and wondering, have you met Lewis yourself? <laughs> no. <laughs> I haven't. No, I have not met him. Um, I'm really hoping to, you know, one day. Um, I would absolutely love to meet him. And I think uh, in like this weird way, like I just kind of just want to say thank you to him because mm. I genuinely believe that without him, him doing what he did in 2020 when he used his platform to really fight for change within within motorsport, I, I honestly don't know whether or not I'd, I'd be here because it gave me... It felt like I had a voice too, you know. I, there were so many things that he he said with his platform that I agreed with fundamentally, and um, yeah, he he just gave me the confidence to just to just go for it. And I could see what he was what, um, wanting to do with, you know, his um, Hamilton Commission and Mission Forty Four and yeah. the We Races One initiative. I could see everything that was being laid out and I was like I want to be a part of that I love F1 I'm um, I'm a big fan of Lewis and um I want to be part of that of that change so you know maybe one day maybe one day you never know <laughs> <laughs> no uh, and you know what so what we're going to do now is we're going to go into the fun part of the show Ooh. we're going to ask you three <laughs> bonus questions okay um these are all very interesting questions. So okay. the first one is, a, you know, I, I normally end on this one, but we'll start off. It's a bit of controversial. Oh. Pineapple on a pizza, yes or no? Oh, no. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> no. We're winning here. Right. We're winning. <laughs> okay. The second one is, if you could have any special ability, what would you have and why? invisibility and purely because I am nosy as hell I am so yeah. like there's been so many times where like I've been out with like my boyfriend or my family or something they're like what stop staring like what are you doing I'm like I just want I swear they're having an argument over there just let me listen in I'm nosy purely for that <laughs> 
Oh gosh. And okay. <laughs> Invisibility and uh, being nosy. That's, that's an interesting one. Now, the final question is, okay, you know, once you, you could be now or you could be retired, you've got yourself a house, you know, yeah. you're going to have a, you're going to throw a luxury dinner party and <laughs> you can invite three people dead or alive mm. who would you invite yeah i've had this question you know so many times and every time i think it's, it changes <laughs> like switch it up a little bit um serena williams mm. i adore that woman i think she's absolutely fantastic she was an, another one of the role models stick that on the list um Angela Davies. Interesting. Oh. Yeah. Um, purely because she had some very interesting ideas back in the day. Well, she still does. And yeah, I think I just want to have like a conversation. I feel like I could learn a lot from her. Um, oh, God. Last one. I don't know. Should we just stick with theme and go with Lewis? Should we stick with that? Lewis, we'll yeah. If, you, if you want Lewis well. at the table, Lewis, then yeah, yeah. definitely you can have Lewis. At the... What what question would you ask? I each individual. If you had one question to ask them, what would you? Okay, ask them? so Serena, I would ask, how did she deal with the double standard in in tennis? So I don't know if you see like a lot that goes on in tennis. If you're a tennis fan, but yeah. I feel like she got treated a lot differently to her male peers and oh, in the media in yeah. the media for doing the exact same thing and um I don't think a lot of the time she gets like the respect that she deserves mm. um so I would just like to ask her like how did she overcome that um I would ask Angela Davies what Oh, this is this is controversial. Must take this out, but like, what she thinks of like um, the current state of of the world at the moment. So, like, you know, things with um, capitalism and you know workers' rights and and things mm. and things like that. Just because I honestly would just love to hear her, her genuine opinion on that. Um, and then Lewis, what would I ask him? I've got like a notebook somewhere full of questions I'll ask him. <laughs> what was, would it be, was he robbed in 2021? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> we won't go there. We won't go there, we won't go there. <laughs> um, uh, I would ask him, I think, does, okay, does he feel any different looking back now to when he was like a kid just coming up through F1 and, and GP and stuff. Um, does he still think like deep down, he's like still that same young lad from Stevenage, um, you know, with like this amazing opportunity in front of him. Like, yeah. I'd like to know whether or not like he still sees himself as like that. Young I'm, I'm guessing he does. We're going too far into it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah those are my questions yeah, yeah. no it'd be interesting yeah to 
for her to yeah because he's gone on such a a, a crazy journey mm-hmm. um and who knew i wonder if he ever knew growing up is that he'd be the most or one of the most successful formula one drivers of all time yeah, yeah 103 wins and seven championships i'm just wondering uh, yeah how does he keep himself uh, motivated after having motivated. Such a success yeah. A- yeah absolutely yeah because i mean to me i don't know if it's just my mindset but like sometimes if i've achieved something i'm like oh okay that's good now great yeah. i don't then think like okay now i need to be better how do i be better like to have that determination and that motivation for that long, it's admirable, honestly. It's, un- it's unbelievable. We're in our we're in our ninth year, and uh, yeah, we'll c- continue, and hopefully, we'll, obviously, we will reach ten. Mm-hmm. Let's see, we'll, and we'll push for another ten years. So the Blair product turns twenty. But anyway, that's enough about us. Uh, and you know what? We could probably keep this conversation going um, for longer, Sorsha, but. I think it's better that we wrap up here and I think we're just going to have to get you on another episode uh, down Aww. online. Maybe a year from now. Oh my we'll do God, yeah. Do like see, reflection. <laughs> do, do one big reflection and see how you get getting yeah. on. Um, <laughs> yeah, because you said you, you, you'll finish, what, August next year? Finish August next year, yeah. I mean, obviously I'll still have a job here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But your, your <laughs> apprenticeship finishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My apprenticeship finishes, yeah. So I'll be I'll be qualified, um, which is insane. But yeah, yeah. Let's do another one in a year's time, and do like a look back. <laughs> we're we'll, we're we'll penciling it. We're penciling it in. Mm-hmm. Um, Sorsha, we just wanted to say thank you uh, for being a guest. Oh, my pleasure on the See Me Be Me podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, for the for the audience at home, if you have liked this episode, uh, or if you've enjoyed this episode. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on all the Blair Project's uh, social media and streaming platforms. As I say, we are on YouTube at The Blair Project One. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn at The Blair Project. And we're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Get Me Motoring. So, yes, go and follow us. And Sorsha, if, if our audience wants to find out more information or follow you on your journey, where can mm-hmm. they go? You can follow me on LinkedIn at Sorsha Alson. Yeah. So thank you, Sorsha. And take care, everybody. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, Sorsha. Take care. See you later. Blair. No. Another good episode. Another good episode. It's always good to see Sorsha. Um, every time, I, every time I see her, I just it's just like it's like catching up with a friend at the pub. <laughs> and you know, I think her journey is really special because you know it's like she, yeah, we played a part in helping her get on there through our uh, affiliation with Formula One and as part of our Rising Stars uh, program. And, you know, she just excelled so well um, on the assessment day. And even even after when she'd done volunteering with the uh, Proto-Weavy STEM Challenge, seeing her from where she first started, when we met her, to where she's currently at now, she's come on leaps and bounds. Definitely, definitely. I mean, what I've got just from the interview, Sasha, is just 
fantastic. I mean, as you would say, just from um, the day where we, we went down to Biggin Hill for Formula One during the, um, well, went down to Formula One's headquarters, she just seems to have uh, come far and uh, really pr proud to see the uh, the progress that she's made in the industry. And just the fact that from starting with Formula One, she's now one of the pioneers for diversity and inclusion, not just in Formula One, but just also in motorsport. And the fact that she's um, just always setting her up on that journey, on that pathway to achieve her dreams in Formula One. So we we always have that dream of um, having a partnership with Formula One. And the, the fact that now we're making that difference to other, other people from like BAME backgrounds and showing them that we're essentially by helping Sorcerer achieve her dream, we're also achieving our dream in essence of... Um, helping other young people uh, get to the highest echelons in their career, such as motorsport. So it's just fantastic seeing their success stories like uh, Sorsha. Yeah, and I didn't even know, and I've spoken to Sorsha quite a lot, that, you know, she used to be a flight attendant. And, yeah, just seeing, you know, started off doing wanting to be a midwife and then becoming a flight attendant and now working at Formula One. You know, it's to say to any person listening is that, you know, if you think you can only ever do one thing or that's where you're going to be, you just never know where life is going to take you. And to say that, you know, Saoirse had always had an interest in Formula One from watching it with her uncle, you know, it's saying never, never, never give up on your dreams. Like, if you think you can do something, just go and do it. Sometimes you just need the to be aware of the opportunities and also to have that support network. Um but yeah, it's just to say, you know what, if you want something in life, just go out and, and, and get it. But also as well, sometimes you, you know, you might be on your own, but if, if as long as you've got it in you and you can make take the action, you can actually make a difference uh, in, in, in an organization or in an industry. Well, one, one of the things I also found uh, inspiring with uh, just a social story is the whole, um, and what we've had with a lot of the guests is, uh, Progress comes where you come outside of your comfort zone. Mm. Like Sasha mentioning that uh, just leaving all her friends and family behind where she used to live in Birmingham and moving down south to London where um, Formula One's headquarters are based in Biggin Hill. That was a huge step for her. And as well as being uh, working at uh, Formula One's headquarters, it's mostly male-dominated. She's one of the only female um, females and also from a BAME background as well. So well, she's the first female the first female, female yeah. person of colour to be a technician at Formula One's headquarters. So I just find it like a fantastic and inspirational story. but And hopefully from, not the last. Hopefully not the last. But from her experience, as she says, she's learned, she's learned and picked up so much. And um, yeah, I wish her all the best in the future. Yeah, I know. From everybody at the Blair Project and the See Me BV podcast, we wish Saoirse the very best uh, on her journey. And as you heard on the episode... We're going to invite her back next year to get an update on how she has found the final year of her apprenticeship as she goes into full-time uh, qualified engineer. So that's it, guys. Take care. See you later. Peace. If you've liked today's episode, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. The Blair Project is all is on all major social media platforms, including Facebook and LinkedIn and YouTube at The Blair Project. We're also on Instagram, Twitter and, and TikTok. Yes, we are on TikTok at Get Me Motoring. 
If you'd like to follow myself individually, I am on Instagram at Niall Henry and also LinkedIn uh, at Niall Henry as well. And if you want to follow myself, I'm on Instagram as Blair Henry underscore 97 and also on um, LinkedIn as just Blair Henry. So we look forward to having you on the next episode. So stay tuned. Take care. Until next time.